0: Demons can sometimes use objects as conduits to achieve their desired goal. Their desired goal? Our souls, John. It wants her soul. No, no, no. Demons can't just take souls, Mia. Soul needs to be offered to the demon before it can take it. Welcome to Now Playing's The Conjuring. Retrospective series. It scares us just thinking about it. When you hear it, you're going to think we're insane. Hosted by Marjorie. I'm going to get you now. I can hear you breathing. Arnie. Oh, my God. It's standing right behind you. And Stuart. God brought us together for a reason? Yeah. This is it. This review will contain detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, go ahead. Where do I start?
1: From the first occurrence. Today we're discussing The Nun, starring Damien Bashir, Thaisa Farmiga, Jonas Bloquet, directed by Corin Hardy. This is the now playing co host to Second to Nun, Arnie. And your Marquis of Snakes, Stuart.
2: Uh, this is Marjorie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome back to the Conjuring series. <laughs> This series has not gone so well for us. Two Annabelles and two Conjurings and a lot of disappointed listeners.
3: Yeah, Burning Scarlet Red Arrows for most of it. One sole green one. And I stand by it. I mean, I haven't gone back to watch it, but I was mildly (laughs) engaged by Annabelle Creation because I thought they did a great job building that house and milking the atmosphere. I have come to realize Conjuring, because they're so militant about pursuing air quotes the truth they don't want to have subtext they don't want to explore deeper themes so they're just these really thin stories can we fake you into believing this is real but if they can get an atmosphere they can get a green arrow that's what i advocate annabelle creation had atmosphere it had some solid filmmaking chops so was it great no but i definitely think it was recommendable the rest of it yeah not so much
1: I continue to get the Conjuring confused with all the other ghost hunting series of Insidious and to a degree Sinister.
2: How could you not? It seems that ghosts are the new slashers.
1: Even Ouija I started to get confused in because that second one kind of had some things in common with Conjuring 2, but... I did re-listen to our old podcast and then I went, "Oh, okay, so that one was Conjuring 2 with the dentures and the home repair and the old-timey music and taking place in London and London calling by the Clash." It all came back to me in a flood. I have not revisited any Conjuring or Annabelle movie and would continue to not choose to. <laughs>
3: I drew the short straw. I felt like someone needed to be reminded of what the nun did in Conjuring 2. I wasn't going to go back and watch the whole series. I don't like them. I'm not going to do that. But I did want to remember what they had told us. About the nun. And yeah, I guess I wanted to see were we too harsh? Were fans right to complain that we were picking on a movie unnecessarily? I do think that we were probably a little more harsh, at least I was, because I had just read the nonfiction story and to see them inflate the quote unquote true events into what they did was. Offensive, it was.
2: You know, I think the best part of the Conjuring series is Ed and Lorraine. I find them a great couple on screen. I think that Patrick Wilson and Vera play off each other really well and they come off as a really great couple. And I find them very comforting in this series. And I think that when they're not around, the series lacks. And I think that for me, they are the series. I wish we were getting more of them. And I'll get into this a little bit later, but I really missed Ed and
3: Lorraine. I agree. I like those actors. That is what I remember. That's why I can distinguish The Conjuring from other horror series. Is like, hey, at least they always got those two. But I also just think it's a muddy story that completely falls apart by at the halfway mark. They have too much going on. There's the old man in the chair. There's the crooked man popping out of the Zootope Troy. And then there's Valak. You know, you almost forget that they have this nun there. It's only because she looks so creepy that I think she left a mark. And that they thought, hey, yeah, maybe she can have her own spinoff. But... As far as our main attraction today, I felt like I needed to go back to Conjuring 2 because I couldn't remember what Valak did. And I wanted to say I was right. I said that I assumed because there was so much lettering lying around the Warren household that they were subliminally spelling out V-A-L-A-K. I counted at least three incidents, maybe a fourth. They might have done it with camera tripods, but definitely in the kitchen, the dining room, and the study, if you look at the background, it's not even that well hidden, quite frankly. You can see (laughs) them spelling out valic. And that was the whole point. That was what I had forgotten. But if you can save Alex's name, you can vanquish the demon. That's all it took was her remembering what the name was, and it could go away. But it stalked her at Amityville, and it stalked her at Enfield. You just got to know the name. So this movie should be about, what, five minutes long. If they can just get the name of this nun, it'll be gone. Seriously,
1: just get Destiny's Child in there. Say my name, say my name, and the movie's over. (laughs)
3: sure but uh, we know it's not going to do that and god knows there's anticipation for this film this is scheduled to be the biggest opening of any conjuring movie and a lot of people that i knew were talking about it people were actually
1: saying i'm afraid to go it looks a little too scary i've got to give credit to their marketing department because i hadn't liked either conjuring i didn't like the first annabelle a lot (laughs) second annabelle was okay but I really wasn't looking forward to seeing The Nun, and then the trailers hit, and I was seeing them again and again in all the movies we went to all this summer, and I'm like, you know what? That looks kind of creepy. It's a period piece. It's going back to the origins of this nun. It looks completely disconnected from The Conjuring. If you didn't know, they weren't really hammering at home. You didn't see Ed and Lorraine Warren. You didn't see a haunted house. It looked very different than all the others had been, and even without now playing, I probably would have gone to see the nun. That is how optimistic I
2: was. I love your unbridled optimism. Even though something smacks you around, you're still like, "But maybe the next one won't hurt."
3: <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering if the Catholic Church might not have been a part of the marketing push. They're like, "Oh, let people think this is the biggest problem. Yeah, worry about the nuns." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I felt like there was a lot of excitement for this because it did look a little different. Because it is set in a different era. And because, let's face it, monasteries and old cathedrals and, yeah, nuns themselves, there is just something creepy. I don't think I can recall ever seeing a horror movie character that came in a wimple. I mean, this is a new vision for horror. Even though she kind of looks like Nosferatu in a habit.
1: Well... As somebody who went to Catholic school and who took piano lessons from an abusive nun from age seven to thirteen, I certainly can say there's very little more frightening than a nun with a ruler. I mean, they are nasty creatures, stereotypically. Yeah, I mean, there is the Sound of Music and Sally Field. I mean, there there's also Sister Mary Elephant. I mean,
3: yeah, I agree. By and large. For us growing up, the formative images of that is if you even didn't go to Catholic school, you just know the the stereotype that they get you to do what they want through abuse by bringing down that ruler on your head or your hands.
1: And let this be said so that I don't be accused of being anti-religious or anything. My sister went to Catholic school and came home one day and had red welts all over her back
2: oh god
1: the piano teacher every time she'd hit a wrong note would whip my sister in the back with a metal pointer oh Mm. and my mother had to have words with the school about basically my sister looked like she'd been lashed so it's really a situation of fear and if you're not afraid of pissing off catholics then i think making nuns evil is of a certain way to tap into horror, here they found a great way to even sidestep it. You're going to appease all Catholics and yet still have a demon in a habit.
3: Right. This movie will have far less to do with Catholicism than, frankly, I wanted. It is just ultimately about the costume. And the location.
2: Well, I also think that historically in society, we have a stereotype and preconceived notion of nuns. I mean, they used to be women who chose Jesus as their boyfriends instead of real men. And (laughs) that's a way to phrase it. Well, I mean, they had a calling and they were typically spinsters. That's usually who became a nun. I mean, my mother knew some nuns, and they were always whispered about as they were the women who couldn't find a good husband, and that's the stigma. And they also have a stigma of being mean. I don't know if that's because it's no fun living in a convent with 300 other women and having to wear the same thing every damn day. I don't know. And yet, strangely, my
1: family also did have some very close friends who were nuns. And they were some heavy-drinking, hard-partying nuns, let me tell you. They may not have... Indulged in a lot of life's pleasures, but if liquor was one of them, they indulged heavily, and they were always at our house. So I've seen both sides of the habit. But yeah, I mean, in today's society, I think nuns have a much better reputation than priests.
3: Yeah, that's what I was getting at. This is actually a good PR for the Catholic Church. Of Like, this is the problem. Focus on this. One evil nun in Romania. (laughs) Now, who's directing this? I do think it's interesting. James Wan has a story by co-credit, but I don't think he's really here. I don't think he spent any time developing this movie.
1: He did reshoots. There were reshoots for this film that James Wan directed. Oh, how much footage is that? It said that they were exterior shots, so I guess the stuff in the graveyard, maybe? Mm-hmm. Okay. But the director accredited, and the one
3: that has been given the reins here, is relatively new. I had to go find his first film. Corin Hardy, he made a film in 2015, an Irish horror film called The Hollow. It's okay-ish. It's kind of very (laughs) similar in design to this film. It's very minimalist. There's a man, there's a woman, and they have a baby. So it's a three-person horror film where they go out into the Irish woods and these Irish folklore creatures try to take possession of them. They use, basically, they have lots of different tricks, but this parasitic black mold is mainly how they infect the father and turn him against the family unit. But it is sort of a three-person horror film in the natural environment that had... A good look for what I presume is a very low budget. I can see why Warner Brothers would say, hey, why don't you do what you did here, but on a bigger scale?
1: So let's find out what he did. Arnie, why don't you give him a plot and we'll get into the nut. The year 1952. The place, an abbey in the remote area of Romania. See that abbey was built in the Dark Ages by a duke who was involved in Satan worship. He opened a portal to hell. But knights dispatched by the Vatican killed the Duke and closed the portal with a drop of Jesus Christ's blood. But a demon escaped. A group of nuns lived in the abbey to pray the evil away, but it was too strong and killed all of them. But to escape the abbey, it needs a vessel to possess. So the last living nun jumps out a window, hanging herself, rather than become a tool of this evil spirit. A dark nun named Valak. However, the nun's hanging body is found by Frenchy, a townsperson who delivers food and supplies to the Abbey, played by Jonas Bloquet. The news travels all the way to the Vatican, where a group of bishops dispatch Damien Bashir's character Father Burke to investigate. Burke is both a Vatican exorcist as well as a paranormal investigator looking into miracles. He's told to go with Sister Irene, a novice nun who has not yet taken her vows, played by Thaisa Farmiga, Yep, it's her daughter. Sister. It's not her daughter? She has a daughter she acts with. No. Okay. They apparently are a family of seven children, Mm Mm-hmm. and they were born 20 years apart. I thought it was daughter, too. Okay. All right, that explains it. 20 years apart. Irene was chosen to go because she's had visions all her life. Irene and Burke are taken to the Abbey by Frenchie and left there. But soon, they are terrified and attacked by Valak. They even see nuns there who've been dead for a long time. Frenchie returns just in time to save Burke from an attack. Now a firm believer, Irene has Burke give her her vows, and once consecrated, the three together venture into the catacombs under the abbey to find and seal the evil portal. Behind a wall, they find a relic with Christ's blood in it. They find the pentagram where the Duke opened the portal, but are attacked by Valak. It seems they won when Irene fills her mouth with Christ's blood and spits it all over the demon, but in truth, the demon inhabited Frenchie's body. The three return to town, believing the abbey to be clean, but we then jump forward to the 1970s where Patrick Wilson's Ed Warren and Vera Farmiga's Lorraine Warren are giving a lecture on evil spirits. They reveal that they performed an exorcism on Frenchie, but the man did not survive. And this was all followed up on in 2016's The Conjuring 2, but as for the nun, credits roll.
3: So, if you have the blood of Christ, don't you know where you keep that? That's not like the nutmeg or the salt. Like, (laughs) you have a very specific place, you keep that, and everyone knows where it is, right? We're going to begin this movie with the last two nuns alive at St. Carta Monastery, which, by the
1: way, why aren't there monks? There's a monastery (laughs) According to Wikipedia, a monastery is a building or complex of buildings comprising the domestic quarters and workplaces of monastics, monks, or nuns. Oh, okay. Fair enough. So, yeah, I also thought that, but these are cloistered nuns. And I didn't know necessarily what that meant because I've been to the cloisters up in New York, but I didn't realize cloistered nuns never left and did take vows of silence and couldn't speak from sundown till sunup. This is all very educational.
2: I had no idea. I mean, I know what cloistered means, but I had no idea what the cloisters were other than it was a really beautiful set of buildings we went to. I think we've been to other cloisters too. In Spain. I
3: wish it had been about this. I honestly feel like when we get to the backstory, I'm like, man, if that had only been the movie, if this had been taken place in ancient times and we really saw the women that had to first deal with maybe even one of their own getting possessed... But everything about this setup is very facile. I'm just irritated that they set this up like they're going in through this door. And it's, you know, ominously marked. God ends here. And should they do this? I'm thinking, are they releasing the demon? Is there something that has them doing this? They're just bumbling around trying to
1: find the Christ blood. Well... On the other hand, I would say that Christ's Blood is probably something that would fetch a good amount on eBay, or back in the 50s, maybe a regular auction, and you just wouldn't want to keep it out for everyone to see. In fact, it both surprises me and creeps me out that the Vatican might have... How much of Christ's blood did they pick up? I mean, you can't just give it to one set and leave it there. I would think you'd leave it in the Vatican and send out a bishop, if not the Pope himself, when a drop is needed. You wouldn't just be like, here, you get a vial and you get a vial. It's not like Oprah with a car.
3: You know, it's in an atomizer, so I think they've done something to, like, distill it with other things. They're making it stretch out.
2: Yeah, because if you've ever left a liquid, like, for example, vanilla extract— In a jar. It does dry out over time.
3: It's oh to Jesus. but (laughs) My point is, they don't know where it is. That is irritating to me. Well, I'm okay with somebody having hid it. Yeah, the sisters should have hidden it from the world. Hence why they're cloistered. But this was the movie. The movie should have been watching a nunnery deal with evil. And instead, we're going to see the last of those get wiped out here kind of inexplicably.
1: Yeah, the nun went into the lair of Alec. Looking for the blood, or she didn't have the blood, She right? She didn't, like, have a drop on her finger to spread on the pentagram. No, she has blood on her when she comes out screaming because she got her ass kicked. Good jump scare seeing the bloody hands pop out from the pitch black of the doorway. I'm going to give this movie this. It has quite a few jump scares.
2: Yes, however, I would like to say that every single jump scare that happened, I was anticipating a jump scare When it happened.
1: Yeah, you're just bracing for it.
3: You're not really jumping out of fear. You're just like anticipating getting hit. That's just conditioning. When you know every five minutes it gets quiet.
2: Yes, but I really think it's a special skill if you can do it when I don't expect it. Or to make it unexpected item to jump out or person. You know what I mean? This was very rote in the jump scares. And every single thing that happened, I'm like, oh, yep, they're setting this up. And then it happened. So I feel it was very amateurish that way.
3: Yeah. This movie is not a bit scary. Despite all of the things that they have in it that are atmospheric, they have a lot to play with here. I love the idea of being in catacombs underneath a nunnery in Romania, no less, in the 1950s. All of this is rich in mood, but it is not filled with a lot of good scares. Valak looks scary, but nothing that she does is that terrifying.
1: I'll agree. There was one jump scare that did get me. And the one in the trailer, which we'll get to, it's near the end of the movie, but they spoil it in the trailer where there's like two nuns attacking and you don't expect it. That's still got to jump out of me. But this is not a scary movie, but it is atmospheric. What disappointed me a little bit, though, was that it was the 50s. Seeing the trailers, you're stuck in this monastery that's built in the dark ages and all you see is nuns and priests and those people could be around at any time i really thought we'd go back to the history of alec i thought we might be having a story set in the 19th or even 18th century something like that to really take us to a different time period than these horror films have gone but no we're gonna stay in the 50s and still the same time period as we've seen with annabelle and everything else yes arnie i wanted that movie. It's not an origin story for the nun. That will
3: take all of five seconds. They'll show us that, that. What is essentially the flashback to tell us how the demon got to Earth should have been this entire film. I would have liked to have seen that dramatized and not referenced as we watch this St. Carta Monastery essentially collapse here. Victoria is now the last person alive and decides she has better odds at Going and committing suicide than trying to find that vial of Christ's blood and fighting Valak.
2: You know, this movie wasn't scary. I completely agree with you guys. And it takes a lot to scare me, I think, at this point in my life, having grown up in horror movies. But this did give me a huge curiosity about nuns and becoming a nun and monasteries and things like that. And now I'm like, well, I want to learn more about this. Is it really like this in the movie? So they gave me some Google fodder, at least.
1: Yeah, I'm curious if nuns have to lay down on their face in order to be consecrated.
2: (laughs) That was
3: weird. Let me give you a recommendation then. There was a really good independent film that came out last year called Novitiate, and it is about all the women that have taken a temporary promise and the months of training it takes to finally do the commitment. They'll show you the ceremony. They'll show you a lot of different women. It's actually very good.
2: Hmm, okay, well, I know I have something to watch. Thanks.
1: And it doesn't involve, yeah, jumping out a window and hanging
2: yourself <laughs> here.
1: But the reason this woman does it is because, and this is really undermining the whole film, Valak needs a vessel. You know, it's why does God need a starship? Why does Valak need a body to get out of the monastery? You know what would have been a lot easier than keeping a whole bunch of nuns and sacrificial lambs in a monastery? Leave it empty. Nobody go in there
2: But they have to pray to keep him at bay But
1: if there's no one there He needs a body to get out So the prayer just protected the people who were already there
3: Yeah, there might be an interesting criticism of the Catholic Church here And the idea that they think that women are disposable in this way oh, we'll just stick a bunch of women here to kind of pray and keep it in. And then they also mention the fact that they have all these giant crucifixes on the lawn, not to keep evil out, but to keep it within. They're invested in making sure that the evil spirit doesn't get out, and they're willing to sacrifice the lives of women to do so. Again, I think that's really neat drama to explore in detail. It's just a sort of passing thought here. It also seems like a reference to Conjuring 2. If you remember the climax of that film, Valak had possessed a little girl and was baiting her to jump out her bedroom window onto... It was a fallen tree that had gotten pointy and thus could spear her if she fell on it.
1: (laughs) Yes, fear the pointy tree. I did not remember that from the end of The Conjuring 2. I did not revisit The Conjuring 2. And so this was noose to me,
2: but... (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there.
1: But then we jump to the Vatican, and this actually excites me. I actually like the line, for once, the Vatican is not the one keeping the secrets. That there's this entire Illuminati of the Vatican, which probably is true. They're probably onto something here with a bunch of bishops that have a lot of secrets, and they're going to send out their man in black, this being a priest, to investigate why a nun hung herself and got eaten up by crows.
3: All right, so here is our Ed Warren, Jimmy and Bashir. We're not going to get Patrick Wilson this time. Well, a little bit at the end. But the point is, this is our character who is touched by the supernatural. He has this whole backstory about in World War II, he oversaw an exorcism with a little boy that went wrong.
2: Actually, I kind of liked him as a character. I think it was in part because I liked his relationship with Irene, Sister Irene, who... I, from the moment she appeared on screen, without knowing who she was, I thought she was young Lorraine.
3: Yes. I thought they were going to do something like that.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, she had the mannerisms. Like, when you first encounter her in the hospital, she had that same calming demeanor that Vera plays Lorraine with, and the same mannerisms. She looked like her. And I'm like, okay, so they found a young woman who could really act like Lorraine, And we're going to see this is how Lorraine developed her visions and became what she was. And then I really liked when she met Father Anthony. I thought that they were really good together. And I was enjoying the two of them on their nun mystery hunting tour. I thought the weak link was Frenchie. And now I know why, as he was shoehorned in there so that it ties into the first Conjuring. But yeah, I really like the two of them together.
1: My mind went to different places. I did like Damian Bashir in this, seen him in a bunch of stuff, but he's never really given me a reason to like him.
2: I have to ask you guys, did you notice when he arrived at the monastery, the imagery of him arriving and what it looked like.
3: If you're saying, did they do the poster shot from The Exorcist? Yep. I didn't notice that, but it wouldn't surprise me.
2: You no, know, they did. He had the same hat. He had his bag. And he arrived in the same exact manner that I'm like, oh, look, Exorcist nod.
1: Oh, I did not catch that. Yeah, that's probably the stuff that James Wan shot. Yeah. <laughs> it probably is. But I like him here. And I didn't know Irene was played by a Farmigla. But- I did have this, where do I know this person from the entire movie? And it turned out I was thinking of her older sister. Well, she's also on American Horror Story, if you watch that. Yeah, and I watched a little of that. So I probably saw her there too. She's used to doing horror. I don't know why you'd cast her if you aren't making her either a younger version of or a relative of Lorraine Warren. But she does have horror cred, but I was thinking that I would like Father Burke. If he is this investigator of miracles, he is a perfect storytelling engine, right? If you want to spin this off, if, God forbid, Patrick Wilson is getting outside your budget, then you could have Damien Bashir sent by the Vatican in the 50s and 60s and 70s investigating supernatural occurrences. I liked him I thought for sure he was dead meat, though. At the first act of this movie, I felt I knew where it was going. I thought the priest would die. And I thought the nun, who was nervous, she hasn't even taken her preliminary vows yet. She's very tentative on this. I'm not sure at the beginning of this film, and I don't think she's sure that she wants to go through with it. But what I knew this film would do, because The Conjuring has always played to the Catholic audience trying to bring in that passion of the Christ dollar, I knew her faith would be reaffirmed. Mm -hmm. I knew she would become a nun. I just thought the priest would die.
3: Right. That is kind of, I would say, the problem, is that it would be more interesting if we believed she might cause problems. Now, keep in mind, the Catholic Church is including her. She is neither in Rome, conveniently ready to hop on a train. This priest has to go to London to pick her up. Nor does she know the area. They're like, well, she knows this area. She's never been to Romania. What they're really implying is she's been possessed. She, as a child, heard voices, and not Burke, but someone like Burke, in this fold, came to see her and deal with that. And so we are to look, at least I did, a little askance that she possibly is still harboring a demon. She could actually be like this evil nun, Valak, someone that looks like the faithful, but is actually harboring bad thoughts.
2: Actually, I didn't think that either one of them would die. I kept waiting for Frenchie to bite it. He seemed extraneous, not really integral to the plot. I mean, he was the vehicle to get him there. And I really thought he was going to get killed in the cemetery. And he didn't. And he lived. I was surprised. And then when he popped up at the bar, I'm like, okay. And then we had a whole bit about kids killing themselves, which didn't really go anywhere there. But he seemed to be very extraneous.
1: Yeah. I never thought Irene was going to be possessed. I mean, I thought she was the Lorraine Warren. She has got the ability to have visions and especially, I mean, that's how we're introduced to her as she has visions. And at the end, it's always Mary points the way I like these visions are going to play in and be her superpower. We have to have something supernatural to combat the supernatural. I not once thought she was possessed.
3: Yeah, and that's a problem because they're teasing that idea. Why is the Catholic Church sending her? She's not really a nun yet. I understand they need a nun to maybe deal with the cloistered area. Maybe men are not allowed past a certain barrier. But why this one? Particularly if you think she might have ever been possessed by evil.
2: I think the church knew that she had had these visions and possibly had been possessed and I assumed, anyway, that they knew that her visions were Mary Points the Way, and they knew where the blood was, and that it's by the Mary statue, because it does illuminate where the key goes, and that's why they sent her.
1: Yeah, I wondered that if they knew where the blood was, and they picked her because they knew Mary Points the Way was going to point them to the blood, but why couldn't they have just said to... Father Burke, hey, by the way, you're going to need some Christ blood. It's by the Mary statue. Just look to the left if that's what they knew. Why did they have to be so mysterious? I mean, I know they are the Vatican.
3: Yeah, if they're the Vatican, they got some on hand there. They could just give them a suitcase with it in there. I'm not buying any of it. I think this movie has been severely rewritten. I sense that studio execs got nervous about certain details, and they just removed probably anything that ever got To tasting controversial. They're like, let's just almost wipe out the fact that this deals with Catholicism because we don't want to make waves there and we'll just use the atmosphere of it. They want to play dress up and pretend they're the exorcist, but they don't want to really have any deep conversation about faith or any of that. So what we get is a very pared down movie that, despite its Romanian location, feels... Very Hollywood. Like, you mentioned Frenchie. The reason why you include Frenchie is he's the olive branch to American audiences who avoid period European films.
1: Or at least to French-Canadian audiences that avoid these films.
3: No, no, he's very American. I mean, it's a stereotypical American portrayal of the French. When he sees these two show up on his door, he thinks... He must have knocked her up, and this is the father or the husband come to demand that he atone for it. He's, quote-unquote, sexy and funny and just North American. He has a very
1: modern quality that's going to make you forget this is 1952. Frenchy did feel like the sacrificial lamb to me. I did not put together his connection to the first one. I did wonder why he kept saying, I'm French-Canadian. I was like, why would that matter? I'm like trying to think (laughs) at what point in the film is it going to really matter that he is not French, but in fact Canadian. Is Valak got something against the French and he goes, I'm Canadian. Oh, okay. I'm going to let you live. I didn't know where this was going. It goes really nowhere, but he really wants to emphasize his French Canadian-ness. In Romania, it's all very weird to me that A French-Canadian becomes the supplyman for an abbey in Romania. But Jonas Bloquet is a perfectly fine actor here. I don't have any problem with his performance. His character really doesn't do a whole lot. He gets up there and he's able to give the exposition about how the nuns get their food and that the townspeople think all the crosses around the abbey are there to keep evil in, not keep evil out. And then he goes away.
3: He's funny. That's the point, is that, all right, we have a character that's going to take a vow and be celibate. And so he's going to be like, you're crazy. Let me knock you up. Let me get with you. Like, that's playing to a very broad audience. That's keeping everything on the surface so that we never actually get into deeper questions of spirituality. I think he's French-Canadian because that means he's North American. And again, Americans don't like to see movies that don't have Americans in it. If you think about it, they rarely do not. You always have to include a proxy.
2: I understand what you're saying, but I think because he was in the film so little, I forgot about him by the time he showed up in the town having a beer. And I felt like maybe there's a director's cut somewhere where there's more to him and more of him in the movie instead of what we got.
3: Yeah, what we get in the middle of this movie are three characters that are bumbling around in the dark and occasionally run into each other. But there isn't a lot of momentum in the middle of this film. They get to the Abbey. They meet possibly Valak. They call her the abbess, but she's wearing a black veil. She never reveals that she is Valak. We never have confirmation that it is Valak. She says, we got to take our vows of silence, come back tomorrow. And then we have this long night in which we're expected to believe a priest and a nun are going to shack up in the same apartment while Frenchie goes home to the bar and all this crazy weirdo ghost stuff is going to happen to
1: them. Well, I don't think that there's a necessarily an issue with them shacking up. I mean, they do have... Oh, there would be come on, I'm not even Catholic. That will never happen. That would never be allowed. They had separate bedrooms and so they both have vows.
3: And he doesn't think it's weird that nobody is there. Like priests, no, that my bullshit meter is going off the roof on this.
1: All right. Well, let our, our Catholic listeners let us know, because I always thought priests and nuns would sometimes live in the same buildings and things, like a co-ed dorm
3: yeah i don't see them sharing uh, a commons area and no i just <laughs> this feels very wrong and the fact that he doesn't recognize what we're going to find out the big twist one of the two is that all the nuns that we see talking to them are in fact just ghosts so that abbess must be valak because everyone can see valak but only irene can see the other nuns
1: yeah and I thought at first all these other nuns are just an apparition because the place is so sparse and we started with just those two nuns alone when killing themselves when they come back I assume they're going into an empty abbey but then there's all these other nuns around the nuns stick around for so long I become convinced they are real and I'm like that's just stupid.
2: Arnie, I I figured from the very first appearance of these other nuns that they were apparitions or illusions. I mean, I never once thought they were real, even as long as they're sticking around. What really drove it home was when they did the mass praying and they sat in a pentagram with her in the center.
1: I did not catch that. Did they have lines? I didn't notice. Oh,
2: for Christ's sake. That was not a pun.
1: No, when you said a pentagram, I'm like...
2: The points of a pentagram. You are familiar with a pentagram.
1: Right, but I would not notice the five points of a pentagram being outlined without the lines in between them and things. Well,
2: thank God I loved Ozzy Osbourne as a youngster.
1: Well, I did end up believing them to be real, which I thought was just really poor writing because where were all these nuns when the last two ran in and the one had to jump out the window, but I knew Mother Superior was not real. I mean, when you see a person in a horror movie, or even in real life, I'm going to say, dressed all in black with a black veil over their face and not showing, and they're speaking like this. They're evil. If you see one in real life, it's evil. beheaded. If you see one in a movie, it's evil. Someone should be headed.
3: Yeah, I mean, I get that. You're right. Because we know the cliches of this stuff, we're able to infer what's going on. But this movie feels... Greatly reduced. Like, was this always the plan? Like, that they were just ghosts? Keep in mind, from the priest's perspective, the only person he met was that veiled woman who told him, go away. And ever since then, he's been in the convent, booking in the convent, and no one on any of the floors is there. I don't feel like he should be here at all. His storyline is that he's got to deal with the guilt of Daniel. And that this little boy, that he didn't even tie up. He makes a great point of saying that the town tied him up in a barn and then I tried to help him. And despite the Catholic Church calling it a success, he actually died after I did my exorcism. How is that a success? And why is that his fault? And why do we have all of this stuff with a boy spitting up snakes that tries to bite this priest? This is all crap.
2: Well, I kind of figured he went along because she hadn't taken her vows yet. And... He was the more seasoned demon person since he did Exorcists. And I feel that there was something lost where there's supposed to be this big parallel when he was struggling with his demons, but he ended up saving Irene, but then it didn't really pan out, so they just kind of ditched it.
3: Yeah, something got cut, right?
2: Yeah. There
3: had to be a point for him dealing with guilt. There always is. If you're dealing with Daniel, then you're going to do something in the present that makes it easier to deal with what happened with Daniel. And you're right. That would make sense that when Irene becomes possessed, he would save her. But I don't think that ever transpires. I don't think this character ever really has a storyline that gets him involved with
1: Valak. I think he's underused in the end. I thought he would die and sacrifice himself to save Irene And then, yeah, later in the movie, I do think he will exorcise Irene. I figured that is going to be how this movie will end. He doesn't do anything, and yeah, he doesn't ever come to terms with Daniel. He's haunted by Daniel. They get to replay all of the conjuring scares of having a little boy running in the background, and you're following a little boy trying to figure out why and who and how, and they bring those cliches back, but... Yeah, it never pays off anywhere. I don't know if it's rewriting or bad writing.
3: Yeah, or rewriting bad writing with more bad writing. It's, <laughs> it's hard to know here. But even Buried Alive, that's always a, a winner, right? Like Kill Bill Volume 2 or even that Ryan Reynolds film Buried. You imagine yourself being buried in a coffin alive. That's horrifying to think about. And here the scene is totally flat. And they conveniently have rigged a bell on his tombstone that he can just wake up Irene and save him.
2: Well, everything in this movie was very predictable because when they start talking about the bells and then the father goes out into the cemetery and is chasing, was it Daniel he was chasing? Mm Mm-hmm. You knew he was going to fall into a grave. You knew before when they were talking about the bells that someone was going to fall into the grave. I thought it would be Frenchie.
3: Here's the thing. I assumed this was all a dream because it makes no sense. Are you telling me (laughs) that Valet can do this kind of stuff? She can magically create a grave engraved with your name on it and then bury you
1: instantly and have grass grow on it? I wasn't sure if the headstone was real because that felt very Nightmare on Elm Street, doesn't it? Like you fall into a grave and the headstone has your name on it already and then it gets filled in. The... Bells, I guess I just wasn't thinking it through. I did not figure somebody would be buried alive. I guess I was just too horrified by the thought of during the plague, people being like, "Yep, yeah, this person's dead, let's bury them. And the person waking up being like, fuck! How did they figure that out? How did they ever figure it out that they needed to put the bells there? Who was the person who clawed themselves out and said, you motherfuckers?
3: <laughs> yeah, again, a more interesting story than what we're seeing. I would have rather <laughs> had that movie. Again, the, every time they talk about the past and the dark ages, I go, man, that's the missed opportunity. We should have seen that. We don't need to see this play out. And what I assume would just have be Burke sitting up in bed and going, woo, that was a dream. But actually, I think it, this was supposed to have happened. What it allows him to do is find a bunch of books that gives him the backstory of Valak, but he doesn't even need that because Irene goes off and talks to a ghost who tells her everything that he'll
1: learn.
2: But Who put the books there? Was Valak like, these guys don't get it. Let me fake bury this guy, and he's going to get the books.
1: (laughs) I'm going to pick the grave that just so happens to have the book that says (laughs) my name that if he actually says it loud, I'm fucked.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and I'll ring a bell so he can wake up the other chick and she can rescue him. It's ugh.
2: Yeah, this is so messy.
3: Yeah, their ideas and their instincts of putting elements here are correct. The finesse by which they're putting it together is amateurish to say the least. And here's the thing, they're not containing the evil. The point of Frenchie going back to the bar is that we find the town is being plagued by Valak anyway. She's already extended herself beyond the land of the crucifixes because now 12-year-old children are hanging themselves in town.
2: But why? Because
3: Valak is making them, and that's the point.
2: But we're not getting any more information about that. Why is Valak picking on the preteen crowd?
3: Not why, how? Yeah. I thought the
1: point was it was trapped and needed a vessel to get out,
3: and no, actually, it's already out.
1: The scene in town felt out of place. It may have been one of the pickup shots or something, but to see all these people in a movie that had been pretty focused on Three, and to hear that these kids are killing themselves, and to see Frenchie willingly go. I got the feeling Frenchie was a coward. He ran the hell out of there. He didn't want to go.
2: Another redemption story missed. I think that's part of either someone started the idea or had it and they ended up cutting it. But there was absolutely no redemption, and it did start out as a redemption story for Frenchie as well. Like, he was supposed to come back and maybe get pair of balls or something he does get the gun what it
1: allows him to do is to
3: come back with a gun that isn't really used that much but
1: yeah he could have just you know had the gun on the first trip too if you wanted to clean this up a little bit i don't know what's going on but it's not all bad the atmosphere is pervasive and seeing irene dealing with these other nuns who are praying constantly and They have this 24 hours prayer thing where somebody is always praying out loud, just on and on to keep evil at bay. I thought that was an interesting concept. I like to think that was really happening before Valak killed them all.
3: Yeah, again, I would have liked to have seen the actual nunnery where they came up with this and that they were fighting this. The fact that we're going to find out that Oana, who's telling Irene all of this, is just a ghost. Does the vow of silence not apply to ghosts? I'm like, it's dark, she can't leave, but they can't stop talking. I thought you had a vow of silence.
2: Yeah, I, there's maybe there's a lot of like fine writing down at the bottom and asterisks that when you take this <laughs> vow of silence.
3: Yes. The fine print.
2: Yeah, like if an early 20s, almost none visits with a priest who's done an exorcist, do this. <laughs> but if not, do that. I
3: don't know, but what I'm saying is by the middle of this movie, all hope is lost. I just feel like, yeah, whatever cool atmosphere they had at the beginning, it is all gone now. And now it just becomes a series of jump scares. Now the whole movie resides on epiphanies. One really irritating one is because this nun told Burke his crossword clue was deliveries, That that reminds him in a pivotal moment that the door mark deliveries will lead him into the locked abbey.
1: That was a little bit silly to me that like the crossword puzzle points the way
3: (laughs) it's. Yeah, they do that in The Conjuring, too. Remember when they have two strands of audio tape and they both magically fall on the ground and form a cross. And at the point in which they meet, they play those together and it's the hidden message. Yeah, I hated that, too, if you recall. (laughs) Yeah, it's this kind of contrivances and epiphanies that people just magically go, oh, okay, this is the stuff they teach you in film school not to do. This is bad, bad stuff. And my film school teacher was right. This is dramatically unsatisfying. Anyone should know that I'll use the delivery door to get into the Abbey. That shouldn't take a magical epiphany from a nun solving your crossword yesterday. Yeah, it's. I mean, you say it out loud, and it, and everyone understands. Oh, yes, that's terrible. We yeah. have to rewrite this.
1: It's not making a whole lot of sense. I'm going with the vibe, but if I think about it too much, it starts to hurt. What I was actually focused on was this guy in the seats in front of us. It was a moderately full IMAX screening. This guy was leaning forward more and more. He was getting so into it. He had his hands over his mouth like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He was so into it, and I'm like, what am I missing? <laughs> I think the thing that
3: they get right in all these Conjuring movies is that they evoke powerful imagery that feels consecrated in some kind of historical truth. Like you can maybe kind of half buy that this really happened because they've set up period details in such a way and it is just kind of ominous. But by the middle of all of these Conjuring movies, that gets shattered. We've been pulverized by too many illogical plot turns. And then, like, the ending just becomes ridiculous. It's like a Sam Raimi, like, comedy bit with the witch popping out of water, Apocalypse
1: Now style, and choking people Darth Vader-like, and it's gone by that point. I'll give the movie this. I was not happy with Valak in Conjuring 2. I thought the CGI mouth was just over the top and not scary they have fixed that here. I know they still did CGI to do Valak, but it looks scarier. It looks less fake. It looks more gross. And there was that scene where you see Valak behind Irene. You see a There's a whole bunch of nuns, but you never see their faces. They're just black shapes and habits and you see the one behind irene and you're like oh there's valak okay and then one jumps from the side and attacks irene that was the jump scare that got me excited because i jumped in the trailer twice for that one and yeah it's cheap right silence silence big
0: noise and
1: <laughs> you're going to jump just at the sound but that is a solid jump scare. And it's not even, oh boy, I jumped and it was the cat. It was truly an attack. That was well done. Uh, Maybe it's just
3: that I'm checked out. I'm not jumping at these scares. I am like cringing because I know it's going to hurt me with a loud sound. To me, that is a very different feeling. To be scared of being hurt with auditory noise is different from being, I wonder what's around the corner. Oh my God, I didn't see it coming from the side.
1: And then... There's been this key this entire time when the first nun went past the door that says God ends here. She has this. I thought it was just a rosary, but it's later pointed out that at the end of the rosary, there's a key. The nun who hung herself grabbed it and ran out the window with it clutched in her hand. And now it's been kind of carried around this whole time. They need to find out what the key unlocks. They don't even know they're looking for Christ's blood. They just know that they're looking for a lock. Again, let's just have this fallacious epiphany
3: where I've been all my life. Every vision I've had since childhood has ended with Mary points the way. And that's just so that when I can walk to a particular place, Part of this catacomb, a sunbeam will hit the finger of Mary and will point right to the secret keyhole that none of these chicks knew about but should have. And that's where they get the Christ blood in the perfumery.
1: Yeah, I guess that's why they sent
3: her the Vatican knew this.
2: Do you guys think that maybe they shouldn't have stored the Christ of blood in such a fragile little vessel perhaps
3: yeah idea i would think of leaving it there you know we saw in a flashback these knights ride in they pour it on this hole in the floor to keep the demon trapped underneath you leave the extra there because you presume something could happen to make the demon come out again you want to have it like a fire extinguisher you don't hide those they're not secret locations everyone can see where the fire extinguisher is in case there's a fire you put it out i don't know why you would hide this this way
1: but she's only able to find it after she takes her vows and for me i think and this may just be saying my stance or maybe this is the times we live in but i would think if you have a nun who's questioning whether or not to become a nun she's not well she was at the beginning no yeah she was if i take these they would consecrate and frenchie calls out would or will she is hesitant to become a nun. Oh. You're holding on
3: to a very tiny fragment here. I saw no wavering. This woman is faithful from the beginning. I saw the mother superior didn't want her to become a nun because she believes in dinosaurs. But I didn't see that this chick felt like this was the wrong path for her at all.
1: No, no. She is not wearing her habit. She is questioning the word of the Bible, saying that the Bible is God's love letter to us, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't question. She is not following the church doctrine. To me, she is a free spirit who will not be a good subservient worker for Christ.
3: Okay, we see the same thing and interpret it differently then. Because, yeah, I saw all of those things. I saw that as appeasement to get the audience to like her. And to think this is not a stodgy, old, fundamentalist nun. Yeah, she has her own mind. And thus, yeah, she wears traditional clothes when she's with children or other women, but when she's with the priest, she's happy to put on the habit. I did not see a lot of questioning of faith. And again, I think that there might have been in the script some of that, and they just said, we don't want to deal with that. That's not why we're here. We just want to see
1: monsters and habits. We don't want to challenge people's beliefs. What I would think, and again, this could be because of all the way that Catholicism is in the news and everything today, I would think that to become... A whole character she would reject the vows of the church that would be the movie i would expect in the movie i would write but knowing the audience the conjuring goes for it goes the exact opposite way she must give herself to christ in order to have the power To face Valak.
3: Again, I I would point you to a good movie, Novitiate. There's a human story about how you can have questions and doubts and still make that commitment. I don't think it means becoming a slave. If the idea is that being a nun is like giving up on life, I think this movie, that might be of superficial interpretation. That's not what I would expect for most people that have a calling. And this chick never felt like she was questioning. I disagree with that. And if she was, why would she go
1: on this mission? Well, she went on the mission because she was told to, but then she's not questioning. The opening scenes make me wonder how committed she is. I thought she might end up with Frenchie.
3: Yeah, I think the audience is maybe even hoping for that. But of course, she's going to have some janked up teeth. Because she bit into glass and sucked all the Christ blood out while she was being held underwater.
1: Okay. Yeah, let's follow this. She got the Christ blood out of the wall (laughs) where Mary was pointing. There's just a little slit in the wall that the key goes into. You don't even turn the key. You could probably use a paint stirrer and poke it in. And it's going to Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom style reveal a secret area where you have this, they call it a relic. And in it is a cross of Christ's blood. Not just a drop. I mean, that's a good amount of Christ's blood. You could, you know, run a CBC on this blood that they've got there. And she takes that. They go into the area with the pentagram. And it's full of water. Valak attacks. And you see her trying to do something with the relic. And finally, the relic goes up to the top. You think that Valak has drowned slash strangled Irene. But somehow, underwater, Mm -hmm. Irene broke the bauble. She bit it. She must have done it with her teeth. I thought she broke the bauble maybe with her hand, but inside the bauble was that cross of blood that, yes, somehow, underwater. She opened her mouth underwater (laughs) to suck in blood and not suck in water. How does that work?
3: (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't work. It's really, really bad. So she can spit it in her face when she pulls her out. I mean, what if she had died underwater? What if she was held another minute? It's such
1: a bad plan. Couldn't you just break the blood in the water and let it dilute but still have power?
2: So it plugs yeah.
3: Valix
1: in the water? How about
3: break it on B- Valix's face?
1: The end.
2: Yeah, perhaps the blood of Christ has to be like a certain potency and it can't be diluted. <laughs> I think it already is. Yeah. And this causes Valak, it acts like alien
1: blood. I, the one scene I did like earlier is they're fighting one of the demons, and Burke says, give me that cross. They pour holy water on the cross. The cross burns and it sets the demon on fire. I liked that. And so here you get a similar burning thing. It's like Valak starts to be eaten away by Christ's blood like it's acid. I'm thinking it's overkill. They said a drop of Christ's blood. This is a mouthful of Christ's blood. (laughs) But Valak's defeated, right? How did Valak get into Frenchie if it was defeated? I'm
3: assuming... Well, I don't think it's there. Maybe if I went back and saw this film a second time, which I will never do, we can see that moment. We saw him thrown around on some pillars. She held him up Darth Vader style, but she couldn't have possessed him while she was beating him up. It would have to come in the moment where to revive Irene, he gives her mouth to mouth. He gives her the kiss of life. So I'm assuming there must have been some transference in that kiss. You know, he was always pressuring this nun who wanted to be celibate for sex, and that's why he got it.
1: Well... I thought that he had died. I thought Valak killed him when she was holding him up. You hear this crunch of his neck. And so I thought she had killed him. And so when he's giving her mouth to mouth, I'm confused. I think Valak took over his corpse and reanimated it and gave Irene mouth to mouth just to fake being good so that they didn't question him. Sure, whatever. I don't know. I'm just trying to make sense of this. Too bad. You're watching a Conjuring movie.
2: But they cheated by showing us the scene after to see how Frenchie gets possessed. I think that's cheating. I
1: kind of agree with you. I like the fact that it's subtle. He's like rubbing the back of his neck and you see the inverted cross. I didn't see it coming. It was a decent twist. Come on. We know that
3: Valak had to get to the Warrens. We know it wasn't defeated forever. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you're right. In fact, there's not even a good sequel here because you can't have a Nun 2. The Nun 2 is Conjuring 2 and it already came out. As we find out when they take a scene from The Conjuring 1, but change it. I did go back and rewatch this scene in The Conjuring 1 to see. I could not remember. I remembered Ed and Lorraine Warren discussing the steps of possession, which are annoyance and then oppression Mm. and then possession I think I'm getting possessed because I'm so annoyed. (laughs) (laughs) But in this one, they talk about the French Canadian, who some people called Frenchie, who was possessed, and the Warrens did the exorcism. They did refilm it, and they did insert a line. They had Patrick Wilson record a line saying people called him Frenchie, and they refilmed the scene with this actor because this actor is not the same who played the French Canadian in the first Conjuring. So it's a big retcon refilm here.
3: Yeah, not only that, I mean, what you're talking about is 43 minutes into The Conjuring One, Lily Taylor goes to see them, they watch the film, the actor on screen looks nothing like this actor that they have, but... Okay, some time had passed, he was in middle age, whatever, he has the same name, but they say his backstory. He was possessed because his father molested and tortured him. There's no evidence of that in this film.
1: They also say he got married, so did Valak come back? Because what they said is he tried to shoot his wife, but only shot her in the arm, and then he shot himself. So did Valak come back, because Frenchie was obviously single in Romania, come back, decide to take a wife and have some little half-demon children... And then show off signs of possession? Or do you just tear down the curtain and go, this movie is a sham and
3: walk away (laughs) shredding
0: it?
1: Yeah, it is a terrible retcon. If you go back and rewatch Conjuring 1, it's not at all the same. They refilmed, they redid dialogue, and they cut dialogue here so that it appears to fit. But they need to, like, George Lucas Conjuring Special Edition in order to put that scene in the first one.
2: But I don't think that they're expecting you to do this is the problem.
1: Yes, they do not trust in the intelligence of the audience.
2: No, they don't. When we saw it, I was expecting... A movie theater full of younger people, because that seems to be the crowd for horror movies. In fact, this was actually filled with people who were 50 and older, which I was surprised. It was an older crowd than I usually see at horror movies. And I don't know if it was the subject matter, or maybe they thought it was something else, like mistakenly thought like my parents thinking the shape of water was a disney movie for my niece and nephew Mm -hmm. so it was an odd crowd for a horror movie and i don't know what that reason was because usually the conjuring brings the under 21 crowd the 18 to 21 people out so i don't know
3: yeah i'd love to know if people thought it was a remake of the tv series flying nun that they would (laughs) make of this
2: With Sally Field.
3: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, if you didn't know this was part of the Conjuring universe, what you would make of this.
1: Or, the hills are alive with the stank of Conjuring. But Marjorie Stewart, do you recommend The Nun?
2: Marjorie. I have taken a vow to not recommend this movie, and let me tell you why.
1: I'm shocked, because you came out saying it wasn't as bad as you thought.
2: It wasn't as bad as I thought, however, it's sloppy. It is a sloppy movie in the plot, the actions. The one thing that I thought was amazing was the sister who played Irene. I thought she was a really good actress. I also think her sister's a really good actress. Maybe it runs in the family. I kind of liked her relationship with the father. I think that it was, I don't know, they were a good crime-busting duo, and it wasn't their fault they are in a shitty horror movie. But I found it more tolerable than The Conjuring. First of all, it didn't have that horrible horn scare sound all the time, so I didn't have to dread any time something was going to jump out with a "wee" sound, but it's very sloppy. You don't need to see it to fit in the Conjuring universe. I mean, you're not missing anything by seeing this movie. It's going to get a sequel. It did well. It's They're going to get another one, perhaps The Nun in the 70s. I don't know. but Yeah, they did that. It was called Conjuring 2. Yeah, so I don't know. what Maybe the 60s said? Maybe (laughs) Valak's going to hang out with the hippies? I don't know where you can go from this is what I'm saying. Maybe we'll get a movie about Frenchie in his possession. That's probably what we're going to get. But you can't even turn off your brain to let this stuff fly in this movie. But not recommend. I vow to not recommend this. Stuart.
3: Yeah, I'm convinced more than ever that this whole franchise is bankrupt. Just artistically empty. And I started to think about why that may be. Why does this suck and other series come out that are credible? I think that major studios, this is coming from Warner Brothers, major studios are afraid to go to extremes. They're happy to monetize and stick little elements here that they can spin off and make money and all of that. They don't really want to get you. ...to horrify you. It's not their instinct. They want your money. They want you smiling at the end here. And so, when you think about it, all of the great horror films... ...they do come from the margins. They come from smaller studios like Lionsgate... ...or they come from independent filmmakers... ...who have a vision that are willing to go to the edge. This just feels like a collection of ideas... ...stolen from other people and then not utilized properly. You have all of these elements that should work. Good actors, interesting location iconography that will work and has worked hundreds of time and then you don't see them do anything with it this movie is very boring it just meanders throughout but really in the middle it's hopelessly hopelessly empty yeah i spit on the ground i'm done with the conjuring universe they suck
1: you're not done yet well i know i can't
3: (laughs) be done with it because i'm cursed but my, what I'm saying is, I will never come into another one of these films thinking it will be good, because the idea behind it is not good. I actually think this one might be my least favorite. It's got the Doctor Strange effect of like, they're probably worse ones, but this one made me the angriest. It's so bad. It didn't have to be bad. It could have easily been good, but they didn't
1: want it to be good. They wanted it to be money-making. Yes, And this is the person who's actually given the only green arrow in the series, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah.
3: I don't regret that. I'm just... uh, Sidestep, I think that that was a well-made film, even though it was empty too. At least it had its atmosphere. This is just absolute crap. How
1: many recommends did this get? None. (laughs) I'll agree with you on artistically bankrupt. I can't say absolute crap. I felt this was really rote. I didn't get invested in anyone, and while... All the way through the movie, I'm like, there's nothing outrageously stupid until the very end. It's just there. I can't be angry at it, but I wasn't loving it. I just kept trying to get into the movie. And yeah, I like Damien Bashir in this. And I like... Tysa farmiga in this i think they're both really good and i do think that they could be a new ed and lorraine warren the movie's called the nun i have to think the title refers to sister irene because valak was not in this movie very much mm-hmm. i'd have to go back and re-watch annabelle 2 to see if this is the best of the conjuring series but that's like being the fastest you car. You know what I'm saying? It's being the best of a bad lot still makes a bad film. It's a weaker not recommend because I really don't have much feeling about this movie at all. I don't hate it, but I can't recommend it for that either. The guy in front of me, I think, would give it a strong recommend, judging by his gasping and his body language, but I was more entertained by watching him than I was by watching the movie. I would prefer a reaction video to The Nun than watching The Nun.
3: They didn't give us the movie. I mean, I would argue this was supposed to be an origin story that explained Valak. I don't understand anything more about Valak than when this movie started. It Honestly, I put her on a hacky sack team. Because all she does is grab things and kick it around. That's all she does. <laughs> How much easier would it be for me to love and strongly recommend this movie? It would have been so easy, you just modify some things and you ask some questions and and get some answers. I mean, think if this were like John Carpenter's The Thing and A Nunnery. Like, you could do some crazy twisted stuff In that kind of environment. But this is a studio film and this studio, Warner Brothers, does not want to scare you like that. They'll scare you with jump scares. They don't want to get into the deeper kinds of horror, the stuff that upsets me. They're not capable of making the film that I wanted to see.
2: They want to play it safe for the mass audiences and not make anyone uncomfortable
3: and keep creating spin-offs, which I think Arnie's rightly pointed out, the next time we'll see these two together investigating something else. I think they're done with the Nun. They've told that story its full circle, but these two can go off and endlessly find new things.
1: Yeah, except the Nun made 50 million, so there will be Nun 2. Yeah, she can be conjured back in the present day. That would be what I would imagine.
3: Someone new will conjure her. If you recall, she got out because of World War II bombs. I'm sure something could have happened in some war-torn country probably america because they don't want to exclude the american audience but yeah you're right we're destined to see valak
1: again yeah what incenses me and what frightens me is how not done we are with this series we are going to have annabelle 3 next year yep same screenwriter as this conjuring 3 has been announced but no release date given
3: yeah, they don't know what to do with that. I've heard a lot of stories that they've looked from the Warrens' life, what they want to pursue, a werewolf this, a something that.
1: I think they're afraid to go for or without James Wan. And James Wan was, is involved in working on a script for three. Okay. Yeah, I don't think they'll make it without him. Heavily involved. I don't think he'll direct, but I think because, I mean, he's doing bigger films. Aquaman. But maybe he will. He likes to go back and every so often do a small one. But then the Crooked Man is still coming, too. And that was, I'd much rather have this Nun movie. Of all the Conjuring Two Demons, Nun was the best one to pick up on, not this Crooked Man.
3: Yeah, that's my anger, is that The Nun was the scariest thing the Conjuring universe has put forward. They did nothing with her. And yeah, Crooked Man, they already made that film. It was called Slender Man. There's no point.
1: And then, yeah, I imagine 2020, The Nun 2, Nun Harder.
2: Mm -mm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it will get no recommends. (laughs) Nope. But hey, if you're looking forward to being scared... This Friday, we're going to be discussing a different type of horror, some witches in the Dario Argento 70s horror classic Suspiria. I actually think this
3: is the film The Nun wishes it could be. It is a movie that trades on pure mood and all this female hysteria set at a dance academy in Germany. But it actually works. I'm actually a big fan of Suspiria and can't wait as we build in the silver level to that new Suspiria remake that comes out in early November.
1: It's the beginning of our... Fall Donation Drive, yes, I do know the spring one just ended. It's because we're doing so many movies. We did 29 movies in our Spring Donation Drive. That is more than half a year's podcast. And here we've got five in the silver level, the four Dario Argento films, the Suspiria Trilogy, plus his 1984 film starring Jennifer Connelly and Donald Pleasant's Phenomenon, or In the U.S. it's known as Creepers, and ending with the Suspiria remake. And then starting in November, 11 weeks of bonus podcasts for gold-level donors, the M. Night Shyamalan series. You want some horror? There's some scares in there. There's some, I'll put it this way, the Sixth Sense has scarier ghosts in it than The Nun.
3: Yeah, there's also some fallacious epiphanies. I keep swinging, baby. I remember signs. I know there's a lot of bad coming at us. But I think it's going to be so bad it's good. And then for
1: Platinum, because we are coming up on the Halloween sequel reboot, this Halloween redo, we're going to do three Jamie Lee Curtis horror films, all that came out in 1980 The Fog, Prom Night, and Terror Train. Yeah, after that year, she was crowned the screen queen. She had to change
3: her image. She ended up doing comedies because everyone associated her with slasher films. Why is that? Well, yes, Halloween. And we will be talking about that on our main feed when she comes back for H4O. But... Also in 1980, those three films, I think of varying quality, but all cementing a real reputation. I like Jamie Lee Curtis a lot. I look forward to that deep dive.
1: And Brock is going to be joining us for all of those Jamie Lee Curtis reviews as he's joining us for Halloween, as Stuart calls it, H4O. And he's going to be back next week because we have another theatrical release, one that I have been looking forward to a lot more than The Nun, but it's following kind of the same title the predator
3: (laughs) yeah you
1: have always held the faith
3: for this character i've i never really cared i always considered it uh also ran to the aliens series but i always wanted to work and i do think the first predator was good i don't know what to make of this new one i haven't seen enough it's had erratic trailers one made it seem like a child fantasy one made it seem like a bra film
1: one You know who can who can say hey it's directed by shane black who not only was one of the stars of the original film but as a director i've come to really like with kiss kiss bang bang and the nice guys and i've even come around to some of the aspects of iron man 3. he is what gives me hope and for those who remember from our 1986 series we did the movie night of the creeps that was co-written by Shane Black and written by Fred Decker. Well, Fred Decker is one of the writers of The Predator. So there's a lot of pedigree behind this film. I have hope. But then again, Robert Rodriguez did make Predators, and I had hope there too. Yeah, you had hope for the nun. Like, you always have hope. It's uh, Hope springs eternal,
3: and that's good. I think we'll need it, because after we're done with that, it's back to video games and Uva
2: Bowl. <laughs>
1: I have hope that the upcoming video game movies will not be as bad as Alone in the Dark 2. <laughs> I hope you're right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wish for that as well. So thank you guys for joining me. Listeners, if you want to see everything we have coming up, our schedule on our website, it's on the right column. If you scroll down, you can see a lot of shows we're doing. I know some people got excited about a couple of new announcements that are on that page. Check it out at nowplayingpodcast.com. And Stuart, Marjorie, thank you for joining me. And until next time, it's over.
0: You survived. You don't come out the other side of something like this weaker. What is there left to be scared of? Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Pretty far out, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it's groovy.
0: You can hear more movie reviews at our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. In our archive section, you can find reviews of the Insidious films, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Saw, and hundreds more. Look what she made me do while at nowplayingpodcast.com be sure to join our forums where you can discuss this review with other listeners you can also follow now playing on facebook and twitter where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews the links to our social media pages can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com sometimes when you get haunted it's like stepping on gum you take it with you support from listeners like you help keep now playing operating You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. We got all the money tied up in this place and had a lot of repairs on top of that. You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy t-shirts, totes, boxers, coffee mugs, teddy bears, and much more.
2: I like your dogs.
0: Now Playing's The Conjuring retrospective series is edited by Arnie.
1: But he's always sad. But I think something bad happened to him.
0: Now Playing credit narration by Brock.
2: It talked to me. It said that it wants my family dead.
0: Now Playing is non-affiliated with New Line Cinema, The Saffron Company, Evergreen Media Group, or Warner Brothers Pictures. The Conjuring films are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. We should talk to someone. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. The devil is the father of lies. Demons are his manipulators. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. We have to get out of here you did good no you did
3: This is scheduled to be the biggest opening of any Conjuring movie uh, this weekend.
1: Or in any Conjuring movie at all history, not just any Conjuring movie coming out this weekend.
3: (laughs) Yes, exactly.
2: Well, I have to say I accidentally misread the title and I thought it said 1852 and I was really confused when I saw a truck.
1: Yeah. What? Who stars in it? Jennifer Connelly.
0: I kept, I kept
1: thinking Jennifer Beale, and I'm like,
3: that's yeah. not right.
0: No.